Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the I Just Teach Here podcast with Jess and Sabria, where you're going to get a snippet into the life and thoughts of educators where we don't make the rules, we just we teach here. Just teach here. So let's get right into it. Today's podcast is called A Day in the Life. And Jess and I talk about all the time, how we feel like the world kind of has no idea what teachers do. And they definitely have no idea what speech language pathologists do. They don't even know who we are. So Jess and I, we, we tried a little experiment and we had our husbands who see us every single day, who see us fresh out of the car, tears, red, hot, angry face and all. And we asked them, what do you think we do? And what do you think we do within a day at school? So Jessica, let's start with you. What did your husband think? I'm literally embarrassed to read it because it's <laughs> like, you, you I'm think, that, you know, you, you tell them stories, you show them pictures, you send them videos, and these are the things that they took out of it. And it just made me think, they think they know, but they have no idea. This is the true story of an educator. So we're going to read for you, my husband, Felix. This is what I think you do. You greet the kids, you bring them breakfast. Not wrong. Mm -hmm. You read them stories. Then you give them worksheets to work on. Mm -hmm. You make them do a lot of exercises and stretches mm -hmm. and you teach them to sing songs. For math, you have them memorize. Oh, remember the multiplication tables. That's it. Math. That's done. it. That's all I teach. Mm -hmm. Then you take them to other classes because that's what's most important. I take them to other classes like gym, music, art, and I watch them run around at the park. And then I take them to lunch. And the most important is I tell them to stop doing weird things like picking their noses and farting. There you have it. That's what my husband thinks I do in a day. Forget teaching any other subject. I tell them to stop doing weird things. Accurate. And I take them places. It's a fact. That's what I do. What did Adam say? I'm very curious. Can I just say though, if Felix thinks this, first of all, that sounds like a great day. <laughs> I would love like teaching, but chill day ever. But you know what? I feel like in his defense, mm -hmm. he was here obviously during COVID when I was teaching online and third grade is all about teaching multiplication facts. And I sang those every day. Like literally I'm like trying to teach multiplication. Mm -hmm. If they didn't know, I'm like, all right, sing your threes, three, six, nine, you know, like it just, so I feel like yeah. that's what he thinks I do in math. Just got to teach songs. songs. All right. I mean, it sounded like you did the job of the music teacher, the gym teacher. It sounded like you're right. You're doing all those things, potentially the nurse with the potentially the kitchen staff, potentially. I think I've got it all. Staff. Yeah. Like you're hitting all the major marks. So Adam, and I, 
I literally just yelled at him to write this because I gave him this assignment this morning. Let's see what he said. He said, I think you go to work and chill before the kids get there. You have to prepare for the chaos and you have to clear your mind. Patience is a major key. First of all, he's rude. And he said, and although I don't experience it at home, that's right. All my patience is used up at school. You better believe it. I know you have it with your kids. You do the work most can't or won't do. It's a thankless job. And I think you take it all in stride with a big smile for the kids as I walk through the door every day. Hashtag superstar. Oh my gosh. I mean, he didn't I almost like, tell us what you did during the day at all. He didn't. But he hit the right things, you know? Yeah. Like you can tell he hears, he's taking in what I'm complaining he about. He hears you complaining. He huh? hears the complaints. He remembers them, but he has no idea what I do as a speech pathologist. These men live with us. They have, we've been married for a long time. We've been in the same profession since we have known these people and they, they really have no idea what happens when we leave our house to when we return. So we wanted to talk about that for teachers listening in, for those of you who are going to school to become a teacher for parents, we want you guys to all know what really goes on in school. When you just let your children go for six hours and 20 minutes of the day. Um, oh, speaking of, speaking let's of, talk about this because of, I have, I had no idea. Sabria <laughs> had to actually look it up because our union keeps count and clearly educators do not, but mm-hmm. tell us, so what are the official school hours? What are the hours and the times that we have to meet our school legally. day legally, is six hours and 20 minutes long. Now that's not including 80 minutes a week that we have to complete for professional development, 45 minutes of parent engagement. There are another 30 minutes for other professional work, 45 minutes of prep time. So what that's supposed to be used for is to prepare lessons, gather materials, so on and so forth. And then we get a 50 minute lunch duty free. So you are not supposed to be working during that lunch period. All the teachers abide by that. Nobody works during lunch. Mm. Yeah, no, nobody. Mm. No, never. So Jessica, tell us now, now you have the guidelines, the parameters of, of teacher hours and when you're supposed to work. Right. So, I'm really failing at this. Honestly, if I look at it, <laughs> I think the, this legal uh, document here. Yeah. So, so when do you get to work? Tell us how your day begins. So I have to get here at seven o'clock earliest because the doors are locked before then. But before in the, when I first started, I would be here about 645. Um, when I was there, started locking her out. I know literally they're like, you guys can't come before seven o'clock. So I used to come at 645 back then the school day started at 830. So I would have a good, what is that? A lot of time. I'm not not good at math. 45 minutes to just kind of prepare myself, prepare my heart to do everything that I need to do to make sure that 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 day was set. And so now I get in at seven o'clock. Our days are a little weird now because we have our professional development, all those things in the morning. So the day technically for educators start in our school at 740. So we might have a meeting at 740, but sometimes we don't, uh, or we have like the parent engagement time or whatnot. 
8.10 is when the kids come in and the day ends at 2.30. The expectations are that I teach math every day, reading every day, writing every day. And these are for 45 minute blocks, uh, math, writing, reading, social studies twice a week, science three times a week. Sabria and I teach social skills twice a week. And we were just put on that we have to teach social uh, SEL, which is social emotional learning twice a week as well. Now I, I have a question. No. If B, if SEL was added, was there something that you had to take away from your schedule from before? So it was actually great because somebody in our, in our meeting, in our staff meeting, God bless their souls for being the ones that speak out about this, but they're like, where, where are we putting this in our schedule? And someone who I, I literally love her dearly because she is so like, she will just say it. She doesn't care. She's like, actually, there's no room in our schedule. So we um, took away a reading and that's where we fit it in because that's what they want us to do. So it takes the place of a reading. So honestly, before we had to throw in that SEL stuff, our schedules are packed, are full already. In a given day, uh, the kids come in, they eat their breakfast. We start with some independent reading just to kind of let their hearts be calm. And then I do reading, my writing, my math, science. And then I, they had their lunch and then they had their gym. During my preps, usually I'm supposed to be lesson planning but I'm never, I, it's literally me trying to find um, time to go to the bathroom because there's not enough bathrooms in our school. I actually went to my friend's room to just make sure that our schedules were aligned, literally 45 minutes gone in a second. Mm -hmm. And during my lunch, I was making sure that the test was set for the test that I have to give them later on this week. And then after that, they come back, we pack up, I did reading with them and then I send them off. Um, First five years of teaching before the pandemic, I probably stayed until 334. I don't do that anymore. Oh. I leave with the kids now. Mm -hmm. Good for you. So um, that, that I learned from Miss Sabria over here. That's uh, right. So tell us about your, your day, the expectations for you guys and, and yeah. all that stuff. Speech therapist at the elementary level, we are responsible for eight sessions, eight 30 minute sessions a day. I get 45 minutes a week for some screening times and testing and things like that. Really what I'm responsible for is tracking my students, individualized speech goals within their 30 minute sessions. And then I'm also responsible for, um, data collection and data entry for each of those students. Now, what I will say for most speech therapists, especially at middle school and high school levels, they're running a lot of group sessions. So if you picture an elementary school, you know, you have a couple of groups, individual sessions sprinkled there. Maybe you have 10 to 15 entries a day, something like that. If you have small groups or individual sessions and SLPs at the higher levels have groups of five multiple sessions. Of this. So they're entering tons and tons and tons of data. So that's really what we're responsible for. IEP maintenance, progress monitoring for their goals. IEPs are individualized education plans. So 
each student in special education will have an individualized education plan. Um, like, so Jess will have her special education students and they'll have academic goals. They'll have speech goals, OT goals. Sometimes kids are only in speech and they're not within a special education program. So I'll just be responsible for that. What's also expected of speech language pathologists is that if students, you know, schedule changes, ruin lives, ruin, ruin days weeks, months, You're a life ruiner. Kids have things that they're doing. They have tests and projects and theater arts, and we're expected to work around all of those things. So if Jess's students are in theater arts during my speech time, it is the expectation that we make it up. If the kids are absent, you're not expected to make it up, but anything where the kids, but what are about if you're absent, if I'm absent, I'm expected to make it up. So it's very clear that we have a million jobs that are beyond just teaching, just speech pathologizing. <laughs> That's not a word, but I made it one. So for any of you that are not educators, I think that there's a, a little laundry list of things that you know that teachers have to do that's outside of your teaching realm, right? For example, making lesson plans, creating papers, doing bulletin boards, which honestly take forever. But I thought it might be fun for us to categorize these into groups because why not, um, of the other expectations that we have to do. How about we, we talk about the things that are, that we deem annoying. What are those? Oh things? my gosh. So Go ahead. we have to do professional development. We have <laughs> workshops that the, um, the department of education make us do like sexual harassment, OSHA, like all of those things that they're, you know, we have to do implicit bias. And honestly, these workshops, are number one, ancient. Number two, they are hours long. And number three, they say you have to do it during school hours. So they don't let you do it and take it home. But I'm sorry, did you see any time during my day where I have time to do a three hour workshop on, I don't know, sexual harassment? No. And this year alone, you know, it's playing in the background while we eat lunch. Like, let's be honest. Oh like, how are we doing yeah. this? Honestly, Ever. even though it's duty free. <laughs> exactly. you know, and even this year we were, well, over COVID, we were given a new one this year. We had another new one and it's just, there are more and more, and it's taking up so much time, but nobody's giving us time to do it. And they say we have to do it during this specific time when there's no time already to do it. Mm-hmm. So we as superheroes just do it. What about another, one for you? Another one for me is CSIS. Tell us what CSIS is. Cause with our online data base, I guess mm-hmm. is what you would call it. It's where all the children's IEPs are housed. It's where all of their session notes, I enter them. It's where everything is. Sometimes I'm late for lunch with Jess because I am still entering data into CSIS because my type A personality cannot have anything left over at the end of the day because I just can't. I mean, I did that my first couple of years and it was so stressful to be weeks and months behind. So at the expense of my free time, I just enter these things in. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. If you're a new teacher, just don't do it. And then you get emails with your student's name in red. If you forget to do it, Oh my gosh, it's like five days remaining. And you're like, Oh my gosh, it's like, relax. Can I have a minute? Speaking about not relaxing. Also, (laughs) let's talk about observations. We are given at least two observations 
for teachers. I don't know about you guys. It's not as intense. It's not as stressful as it is here. No, because whenever I walk by you guys, when you're getting observations, <laughs> you guys are all like a hot mess. And I'm like, is everything I, okay? They're like, I'm getting observed. I literally <laughs> want to be in my pants every time. And I mean, I've been doing it for so many years, but it I just know. doesn't matter. You get two, at least two per year. That's only if you um, scored a specific way. Like if you were effective or highly effective, I don't even know what the thing is. If you weren't, you have more that you have to do. Also there's informal and formal ones. The informal ones are the ones that I do. It's 15 minutes, but still like, it's like the first one they come in and they tell you when it is. So you're literally, I'm waiting. I have my 15 minute block. And honestly, most of the time they're late and I'm delaying time. I'm killing time until they come in. So I could start it exactly where I wanted it for my 15 minutes completely unrealistic. And on top of that, the observation kind of depends on the the children. Like what if they're in a bad mood? What if they didn't like come in feeling hot? It's like so much not depending on yourself as a teacher. It's you problem solving the things and it's stressful. And it doesn't take into account the present levels of the children. You're always expected to ask high level questioning. And as a speech provider, I'm like, no, they're not there yet developmentally. Everyone is held under the same standard. It doesn't matter if you are special ed or general ed. Turning and talking, asking each other questions, responding. I mean, I mean, we, we have a whole class dedicated to social skills and these are the standard that, that these kids are being held to in order for you to be considered Mm -hmm. a good teacher. I just have to add in this story because it just is indicative of how these observations will go sometimes. And a lot of the times when your admin comes in, they will ask kids questions. And of course, they will always choose the kids that aren't paying attention because that's just the way it is. And they're like, what are you learning? How do you know yeah. that you're learning? Right. And so, of course, they ask one of my kids and I know exactly which kid they're going to ask because he's not paying attention. And she goes, hey, what are you learning about? And turns his face away and waves him, no, waves her no, mm-hmm. you know, but like that's that's how my students are. And that stinks that I have to be graded according to that, but let's let's continue on. on. Um, what are some things that we have to do outside of teaching that are very tiring? IEPs is what I would say. The IEPs, the meetings, because the meetings are with a whole team. It's not just you and your favorite SLP. Luckily, if it's on a prep, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. We have to teach this now. But if you want to talk later, great. Remember what I said, if the kids are still in school, I'm still expected to see them, even though there's only a certain amount of time in a day. So when these meetings run long, you know, the parents want to speak to me and I have to stay. And then there goes another cancellation on my list that I have to add to do. Don't worry, Sabria. I don't do it while I'm teaching, but I do do it during my prep. Oh, but thankfully for our union, they now pay us for our prep all like $23 um, <laughs> to cover my own prep. To, to cover the coffee you bought us that morning. <laughs> it's true. In addition to that, we have to write the IEPs. So I mean, this is a living document of like their present level of performance, all of their goals, what kind of class they're in, what kind of classes they're going to be given, all their testing accommodations. This is like a 15 to 20 page thing that so long we have to write. Also, aside from using the goals, nobody reads it. 
The parents, how many times have parents said- The only people that read it are the next school. (laughs) But it takes me like a couple hours to write each child's IEP because it's a very long document. And of course we have to write it during school hours. I mean, I do end up writing it on my own time anyway, but it's just one of those things- you're not supposed to do. I know, but when am I going to do it then? (laughs) I'm surprised it took us two episodes to get to the singing. (laughs) But also another thing is that's tiring is when you have to cover your preps. So just like if I have an IEP meeting, sometimes a a special teacher, like an art teacher, whatever, they're out, I have to cover it. A lot of times, um, especially with COVID, it's happened a lot because you can't intermingle classes into a classroom. So Mm -hmm. let's say art it needs to, or gym needs to be in one of the classrooms. It'll go into the other classroom and then I'll have to cover my own prep. So it's frustrating because it's like, you know what? I I need these 45 minutes to do my work, but now I also have to watch my kids. And that's just annoying and a little tiring. It's interesting working in a school because teachers by and large are, are very beautiful souls. And, and also that means that they're very easily taken advantage of. Honestly, the system runs on the extra things that the teachers do. Do you think anything would happen if teachers only worked within their contracted hours? Like no, I wouldn't would be happen. able to teach. Nothing I wouldn't would know what to teach unless I was literally pulling everything out of my butt every single day. Sometimes, Sometimes I do some of that, do. but we do. So, so the next thing is surprise items where you get more work, but not extra time. Can you share about that? This year alone, um, coming back from you know, being home uh, through the whole pandemic, they're trying to prove that kids had um, like, you know, social emotional loss, and this is how they're going to build it. And so in addition to all that we already have to do, now we have to take all of this new data for the higher ups that just want data. So now we have to do extra um, assessments uh, in reading and in math, we just have to do it. I end up doing it during my reading time. Okay. You're going to do do this reading assessment during the math time. This is your math. This is your math time right now. So my lessons get pushed back and we have to fit this in somehow. Instead, we had to do these social, emotional assessments. And that's on my time to do because I have to fill it out per each child, uh, which actually took quite a long time. And then on top of that, you know, like we said before, they added, we have to teach more social emotional learning. And here are some things that you can do. And Godspeed, you have, uh, you have to do it twice a week. So, and on top of that, we had to write out all the lesson plans for it to send in. So I don't, I don't know when I was doing it, I did it, but I'm not sure when I did it. You had another job. I think you forgot about, cause we both had it. And it was when they're doing recovery services for children, you were expected to fill out that paperwork and recovery services. Think about that phrase, beautiful phrase. How could you say no? Right. And they're like, you teach it, Sabria. I just feel like if everybody didn't do it, they would realize that they should pay teachers more for their time. Like Mm -hmm. time is a very expensive thing. Many teachers have families and I, not for nothing, if you don't even more of a reason to celebrate that extra time that you have, right? Like they love to shame me. People love to shame me. Well, you don't even have kids at home. So why aren't you doing this? Well, I'm busy doing a podcast. Exactly. That's the reason why (laughs) that's the reason why 
I should be going home because I don't have kids at home. I'm going to go relax, you know, like, well, it was, they were pressuring me to do the recovery program and I I get it, but they didn't have people. And I almost said yes. But the thing was like, number one, I didn't want to do it. And number two, I had to fill out all that recovery paperwork as it was, even if I wasn't teaching it, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of stunk, but you know, I will say our admin is very, they were very gracious to us and they gave us time to actually fill out that stuff. So I will say that they really, um, did give us the time Mm -hmm. to do that, but I was almost pressured to it. And I had to channel my inner Sabria, my inner Roe, who was my para. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. Um, and I was like, and I shouldn't have given a reason, but I did, but I was like, I'm, I'm tutoring and it actually makes a lot more money, you know? And I'm like, I didn't have to give a reason, but you know what? They, they backed off after that, but you do not have to justify Mm -hmm. your reasons for anything. If you don't want to do something because it doesn't pay enough or because you value your time or because you want to go to the gym or read a book after school, you do not have to justify yourself. I feel like everyone looks at you like, okay, well, why? Because I don't want to be a team player. Like, it's like my mom from back because I said so. If I say no, as an adult, don't push me anymore. I have set the boundary. We have a lot of nice teachers. There's a lot of nice teachers in our school. There's a lot of nice teachers out there and it just, it makes me so sad because I'm very passionate about people getting taken advantage. Maybe, maybe you need to like teach courses on how to say no, right? (laughs) Just say no. Here's the thing though. Like you touched on is we are very lucky because we have a union who they set those boundaries for us to lean on for a reason. So, um, and I'm very lucky because as an SLP, I have a supervisor and she is one of the smartest, strongest women that I know that I've ever met. And I lean on her quite a bit. So let me bring us back to our last category that I threw in here. And this is a doozy because these are things that you do beyond your classroom or your teaching position that are emotionally draining. Bria, take it away. (sighs) The first one behavior charts and plans, implementing plans, having to work with lots of different personalities when you're doing that, it can be exhausting. And there's a lot of, what is it? What is a behavior chart? We'll set up behavior charts. It can be token based where you're laying out your expectations in a very clear way for the children to understand that when they do something, something that they like will happen after it sets very clear about this is what we expect. Very clear what you'll receive. And why would we have to implement something like that for our children, specifically for children with autism, they don't understand the relationships that go on in school. It's really to get the kids to understand how school runs and a schedule in school and expectations and expectations in life. You know, if you do something to hurt somebody else, a consequence will happen. So along with that, I feel like there are going to be great days and there are going to be really, really awful days. And when I think of the most emotionally draining days, it's the days that um, maybe there were behaviors that children may have had. Uh, Maybe they were self-injurious behaviors. Maybe they were accident kind of thing. Other types of behaviors of injuring someone else, throwing something. Um, I once had a student that would literally tear up the whole entire room. Um, And it's not necessarily in the moment because in the moment you're running on adrenaline and Mm -hmm. you're trying to decision make and and do what's best for the class to keep them safe. You know, you Mm -hmm. get all the other kids out, you do this, you do that. And you're just like doing, going through the motions of making sure, okay, how do I keep this child safe? How do I do this? 
Um, but it's not that moment. It's the moment afterwards when you're cleaning everything up because you can't just leave yeah. everything a mess. Yeah. You have to clean it up and you are just sitting and processing all of that that just happened. And it's, it's not just like, it's sad for me, but it's, you're like, you're heartbroken for a child that can't communicate. You're sitting there and, and realizing, dude, I just had a crap day. And I was just like this. And sometimes you don't even know how you just survived. And there have been so many days. I mean, like you've seen it, we've all seen it. We've all at the end of the day, we're all sitting there huddled and we are lying there. Sometimes I lie and I just stare with my mouth open. Some days I'm just bawling because like, it's, it's tough. It's just so emotional going through that with a child and being that person that they trust, that they trust you in being that way. Um, and it's, it's really hard. It really is. Those are really, those are really, really hard times, especially with, uh, the safety we've had a lot of, you know, behavior charts with, with concerning with safety, like with drills or things like that, getting out of the building in a safe way. That is, you can't help when you, when a behavior chart doesn't work out or, you know, a checklist doesn't work out feeling like, oh gosh, like what if this was a real fire? Like I would have failed this child in that moment. And, you know, we take that home with us. We're, we're, we're talking Mm -hmm. about it after like, how can we change this for next time? But really it's just, this is just something we're working through every day, every single day. And it's super, super hard, super hard for the kids to piggyback off that something super emotionally draining for us as teachers, as perfectionists, as people who we know we put our, our kids first and then to have parents question you question your, your methods, question your intelligence, question your education. It's that, that's really, really hard. That is like tough when they don't trust you. Yeah. That is soul crushing, especially when, you know, you're up at night doing research or you're up at night thinking about what you can do for that student, or you're spending your weekends talking to other professionals and asking, you know, Mm -hmm. what they're doing. It's not necessarily, we don't have time to tell parents all the things we are doing for their individual child. And for the rest of our caseload, here's the thing is I respect the hell out of parents who fight for their kids because Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of parents who do. And, you know, they really, really care about their kids. But what I will say for parents with teachers or with related services is that you don't need to demean anybody to fight for your kid. That's just my opinion. I I feel like at the end of the day, they have to realize that we're all on the same team. We're all here to help the child Mm -hmm. successful wherever they are. And, um, right. That's probably my, that's my number one. That is, I could sleep for a week after something like that happens. It's that's really hard for me. What about you? Yeah. Or how about when a parent tries to demand things that are completely out of your control? It's, it's tough because at the same time, it's like sometimes rules, and this is where our podcast title came from. Sometimes rules don't come from me. They don't even come from our admin. They come from like way up somewhere. We don't high know. Up we in don't the people know. that actually get paid real good, well, paid real good, <laughs> paid real well. Um, and they're like yelling at me about it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't make that rule. Like you, you don't write a letter to me. You write a letter to Mr. Mayor himself, yes. like not me. I'm sorry. It's- um, and I get it that they're frustrated, 
but I'm not the right person to be frustrated at. Like it's not, it's not in my control. Um, and I'm like, you're wasting my time and you're wasting your own time by doing something like that. And you're also now kind of like messing up this relationship because you're projecting your feelings on me. Exactly. And so I think that one, that one was really hard for me as well. And I, it's hard for me to not take things personally, but, um, you know, I feel like because we just, I think that's where you and I, I I was going to say fell in love. (laughs) No, but I think that's where our biggest common ground is, is I will, I love, we love our kids. Like we love them. I will fight for them. I'll fight other teachers for them. I'll fight admin for them. I'll fight anybody for my kids. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's why it's so emotionally draining is when the person who's trusting us with their kids is like, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I read on Facebook this (laughs) and it's just like, what, what since when does Facebook Trump? Like my eight years of school, how does that Mm -hmm. happen? And all these hours I put in for continuing education. And it's just, I mean, all those professional developments we do. (laughs) I mean, it's just, that's, that's a lot that can be, that is emotionally exhausting, but I will say, thankfully, I mean, you know, of course you see like the one negative out of like all the positives and honestly, for the most part, our parents are amazing. We have a lot of good parents, like a lot, lot um, past, we have parents. Yes. They're really great. Kids are, I I'm hoping there are so many kids who have left. I'm like, I just want to hear from their mom. I mean, and I'm sure any of the parents that we've had that are listening to this, we're talking about you. We are. Can you message us? We want (laughs) to see you guys. Can you send us pictures? Cause I keep, I saw pictures recently of some of our, they're like full adults. It's insane voices changed and everything. And it just, and they're all taller than us now. And that's really, I can't handle that. Yeah. So, so call us. Okay. We miss you guys. (laughs) So the purpose of this episode, I can't believe is already over. We just really, we wanted to shed a light for those of you, parents, administrators, or just the random friend or family member who tuned in today. We hope you got a little idea of what teachers go through in a day. And we hope it maybe changed your perspective on us a little bit and, and hopefully for the better. And for, for all you teachers out there, you know, we see you, we are you and we love you. And we hope that you guys will tune into our episode next week. It's a spicy one for next week. I'm actually very excited to talk about this one because I feel like it is a very well-known, but very like talked about like in secret, which is the relationship between related service providers and classroom teachers. And I know some of you SLPs and I know some of you classroom teachers, you have strong feelings about this. We are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about our experiences and our experience together and hopefully talking about how we can change it for the better in the future. So we hope we see you guys next time on the I just teach your podcast. Bye. Thanks for watching.